Brand does a great job doing the announcements and emphasizing some things that we want to alert you to, but that doesn't mean we don't want you to read the bulletin because there's other important things there as well. For instance, there's a men's breakfast this uh, Saturday and encourage you guys to come out at 8 o'clock in our fellowship center and be involved in that. And uh, our children are going right now for a great time with their leaders and uh, we're expecting them to learn a lot of great things about the Lord as uh, they study together. Uh, Have you noticed it's been getting a little cold outside? Um, you know, it's interesting, on sunny mornings, uh, my hands have a tendency to be uh, rather cool, but on cold mornings, they're cold, and people kind of cringe when I come up to them. They go, I don't want to touch your hands because they're so cold. Uh, but, you know, determining what weather is like or what it's going to be like is, uh, is one of those challenges. You can now use your smartphone and look it up that way, or you can uh, do it the old way with the radio or TV or um, some kind of other uh, approach to it. But I, I, I read just recently a, a more natural way to determine what the weather is going to be like. And it comes from a great authority that I'll share with you at the end. But they said you can do it just within the, the people who live in your home, or at least the, the uh, animals that might live in your home. To tell the weather, go to your back door and look for the dog. If the dog is, is at the door and he's wet, it's probably raining. But if the dog's staying there really soaking wet, it is probably raining really hard. If the dog's fur looks like it's been rubbed the wrong way, it's probably windy. If the dog has snow on its back, it's probably snowing. Of course, to be able to tell whether like this, you have to leave the dog outside all the time, especially if you expect bad weather. Sincerely, the cat. <laughs> you know, a lot of ways to try to determine what it's going to be like uh, in terms of weather, but even more importantly, it's, it's it's great to determine what it's going to be like spiritually. And, and God wants us to know ahead of time what it's going to be like. And in fact, give us some instructions how to kind of govern our lives so that we're right in the middle of His will and walking according to His plan. And then once we get into God's plan, then we want to be eager to tell others about it. And so this morning as we look at God's Word, and if you have your Bibles, I invite you to get in them and turn to uh, the very first book in the Bible, the book of Genesis. And we'll be, Lord willing, looking at a couple chapters. We're going to speed up our, our, um, our pace in getting through uh, this book, this great book, which is foundational. I think I mentioned to you earlier, there are some authors who uh, comment on the scriptures, and they'll say there are two crucial books for you to understand. One is the first book in the Old Testament, which is Genesis, and the first book in the New Testament, which is Matthew. And so we're looking at Genesis in, uh, in this series that we started in 2012. And uh, uh, Lord willing, uh, around Easter time, we'll have this uh, wrapped up. But it's foundational for our faith in terms of what we believe and why we believe it. And then not only that, but how we're supposed to live out that faith as we come into relationship with God. Well, well this morning we're going to be looking at some things that, that God wants to emphasize to us in terms of just making sure we're uh, going down the right path. And so if you have your outline, so this will kind of help you follow along But what, what I want to share with you this morning out of uh, uh, these two great portions of Scripture. And what we have here, again, is we're looking at some uh, significant role models uh, for us to kind of figure out what it means to know God and walk with God. And as we think about role models, role models are sometimes good role models and sometimes they're bad role models. And, and in terms of kind of learning from that, it, it works either way because you can learn the lessons of what to do or what not to do by following after them. And as we look at our own lives, and let's be honest, it doesn't matter how long you've known the Lord or whether you're still on that journey to know Him, 
uh, you're, you're, still, uh, you're still working it out as well. And sometimes people learn from your life about how you mess up, and a few times about how you, you do it the right way. And so we're going to look at that this morning as we look at a man named Isaac. Uh, the major characters in the, in the first book of the Bible in terms of the, the male gender, you have Adam and you have Noah, you have Abraham, and, and now we got Isaac. And Isaac uh, is grown up a little bit, but he's still learning, and there are a few things God wants him to make sure he gets. And as we look at Genesis chapter 26, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's see what that's all about. Genesis chapter 26, beginning with verse 1. And we won't be reading every verse in this sections, or we would never get through this morning, but we'll look at a few things to begin with. There was a famine in the land besides the first famine, and it was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, and Gazar. And that's, this is not the same Abimelech that his father Abraham had encountered. Abimelech was the name of the ruler, kind of like a pharaoh. You have the pharaoh name that's used over and over and over again, like a Caesar. And so this is a little bit down the, the road. And as Moses writes back about this account, he's saying, as you try to put this together, uh, I'm talking about a famine that came in the land, but not the same famine that Abraham experienced. Then in verse 2, Then the Lord appeared to him, this is Isaac, and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in a land of which I will t- tell you. Dwell on this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For you and your descendants, I give all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. Let's stop there for a moment. And there are many things in Scripture as you just read it. And, and that's one of the reasons we have that personal time with God. We just urge you to get in God's Word and read it, and you'll get truths for your life. As, as God speaks into Isaac's life, he tells him a very simple thing not to do. He said, I don't want you to go to a certain place. And that place was Egypt. Now, there are many reasons why Isaac might want to go down there because there was a what in the land? A famine in the land. And when you don't have anything to eat in your house, you go someplace else to find what? Find food. And initially, what Isaac did is he, he basically where they were living in the promised land. They were living in the promised land, but sometimes. Even when you're living in the promised land, it doesn't seem that promising. It seems like, okay, God, I'm here. Now, where's all, your, where's all your provision? Why isn't everything working out just perfectly for me? And all of a sudden, they were living right where God wanted them to be, but they were in need. So initially, he didn't go far away from the promised land. He just went to the coast. In fact, that was within the area which was part of the land that God wanted him to live in. But as he was going down to the coast, God knew what he was thinking before even probably Isaac knew fully what he was thinking, which is a great lesson to learn as well. God, God knows what's going on, even, even in your heart and your mind before you know it. And so he does a preemptive act in Isaac. He said, now, as you go in there to get food, okay, it's all right there, but I don't want you to go further. And even kind of devotionally, as you think about where they were geographically, see, you're in the promised land now. If you were to go to Egypt, what you're going to do is you're going to go down. And here's the very first simple point I want to make this morning. If, if we need to tell others what it means to, to walk with God, and obviously we've got to tell ourselves before we tell somebody else, we've got to make sure we're, we're headed in the right direction. Wouldn't you agree with that? As you think about even Jesus when here, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he said, I am the way, which speaks about path. It speaks about direction. And as God spoke in to Isaac, 
He said, I want you to know, I want you to be headed in the right direction. And even as we, again, begin, we're beginning this new year, that's a great first step is we begin 2013. Which direction are you headed? Are you headed toward God or are you headed away from God? Now, why would we even want or why would anyone want to go away from God? It's because how life is treating them at that particular moment. And some of the subpoints in this thing, what I have to begin with is, there are going to be good times and bad times. Would you agree with that? Have anybody experienced that? You know, sometimes good things happen, sometimes what? Bad things happen. And I'm sure Isaac at this point was saying, wait a minute, I'm here. I don't have anything to eat. Maybe, maybe I need to subvert your plan a little bit and then get back to it. And sometimes we do that as well, don't we? We kind of want to take a vacation from maybe pursuing God or living for God or doing what God wants us to do. We know what we're supposed to do, but maybe I can divert a little bit. And the reason we want to divert because some things aren't going right. And so we want to put our hand in the mix and make it right. And in this particular point, God was very, very clear to Isaac and said, do not go down to Egypt. And of course, the question for us is, what is Egypt for us? It's not a geographical area, but it might be a, a lifestyle choice. It might be a relationship. It might be something on our priority list. It might be a number of different things, and maybe we're just not satisfied at the moment, and so we want to try something new and fresh. And God is saying, don't do it. Head in the right direction. And I promise I'll be there. Not only are there going to be good times and bad times as we go into 2013, I was talking to Brand right before, and we made that as a prayer request. We began the service with Katie breaking her ankle. I mean, she was having so much fun, and then just a, a strange thing happened and tweaked it and broke it, and, and that was not in her agenda for the beginning of the new year. But she can still be in the right direction if that's where her heart is. But she's got to recognize when things are not right that God is still there. And that's the other sub-point I want to make. There must be a space for you to see God provide. See, this was an act of faith for him not to go down to Egypt because he didn't see a lot of food, a lot, a lot, of, a lot of provision right there. He, he knew of the fruitfulness of down in Egypt, and it was so tempting to go down that path. And, and sometimes we want God to be on our time agenda. Have you experienced that? God, I want it, and I want it now. And, there, and when we don't have it now, sometimes we wonder, where is God? And sometimes our answer for that is nowhere. And he's just saying, just be patient. Just wait upon me. Just rest a while. And you'll, you'll see what I'm doing. You know, this is kind of a cheesy point here, but if you take the word nowhere... And you make a space between the W and the H, what do you get? Now here. And, and so as we go through 2013 and as we, as we interact with people, we want to be a, a people that, that tell others that, that God's here. And, and God's here within us. And His presence is there during the good times. 
and the bad times. Well, the story goes on is that Isaac stays in Gazar on the coast of Palestine, and he meets up with Abimelech, and all of a sudden, something happens again in his journey going down the path in the right direction. Even when you go in the right direction, what are you going to be doing in, in, as you go down that path? You're going to have to make choices even as you're headed in the right direction. And the second point I want to make this morning is this, that make sure your choices are not guided by fear. So, so often uh, what we do is, is motivated by how we feel at any moment of any day or any any place of decision. And, and, and what we have here is Isaac falling back into an old pattern. Let, let's pick up the account in verse 6. So Isaac dwelt in, in Gerar, and, and the man of the place asked about his wife, and he said, she is my sister. For he was, what's the next word there? Afraid. What was he afraid? He said, she is my wife because he thought, lest the men of the place kill me for Rebekah, because she is beautiful to behold. Now it came to pass when he had been there a long time that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked through a window and saw, and there was Isaac. And he said, he's not treating Rebekah like his sister. <laughs> Showing endearment to Rebekah, his wife. And that's just a, a G-rated way to say he was, he was making advances at her physically to express love in an intimate way. Then Abraham called Isaac and said, quite obviously she's your wife, so how could you say she's my sister? And Isaac said to him, because I said, lest I die on account of her. Now, wh- why, did, why did Isaac think that just because he had a hot wife, a beautiful wife, that if he went into this new land, that they would take his life for his wife? Because somehow that must be what they were doing. Within that culture, uh, if you found somebody that you liked, more than what you had, or you wanted to add to what you had, you just took it. And if someone was in the way, you would take their, their life. It's kind of a, well, I was talking to Brandon this week, it's kind of, it's kind of an odd uh, ethical statement, you know. Um, you can take my life, but don't take my wife, you know. And, and that's, how, that's how it was. And, and Isaac got to the point where he, didn't, he made that choice simply because he was afraid what would happen to him. There are going to be a lot of fearful decisions that we will all make in 2013. Where our life will be on the line, or our testimony will be on the line, or our reputation will be on the line. We'll be wondering how people are going to see us, and we're going to be so concerned about their impression that we won't be thinking about God's impression of us. And His choice was made out of fear. Abimelech goes on and says, he, he charged all his people saying, he who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. See, see God, God had it all in his hands. But what Isaac did is he just didn't trust God. Trust God enough simply to do the right thing. We need to come to a point where we are convinced it's never right to do wrong. You know, Isaac might have got over spiritual at that point. He said, "Well, you know, I know the promises of God. I'm I'm the promised child. It's through me all the descendants of the world are to be blessed. It's through me the Messiah is going to come." And that was all true. 
But it's never right to do wrong. It's also never right to do stupid. And, that, and that's what he did there as well. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 10, 23, that to do evil is like sport to a fool, but a man of understanding is wisdom. Every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool lays open his folly. You know, this is, this is the... I didn't tell you to turn the page yet. What are you turning the page for? <laughs> you can turn the page. It's all right. You know... There, there are a lot of foolish things that people do, um, and sometimes they're fairly public. And, you know, and, and those who have done foolish things in public, they like to share that misery with others. You know, have you ever heard of anybody ever getting lost? I mean, I just can't understand that. But, but I've I got to read you an account of another person who did something foolish. Did you read about this? Oscar-winning actor Russell Crowe lost his way kayaking in the waters off New York's Long Island and was picked up by the U.S. Coast Guard boat and ferried to a harbor, officials said. The 48-year-old actor was kayaking with a friend and launched from the Cold Spring Harbor on the Long Island Sound, according to U.S. Coast Guard Petty Officer Robert Sweatke. As it got dark, the two got lost. Now, let me ask you, if you're on a kayak, do you think you ought to be kayaking when it gets dark? No, no. okay. <laughs> it's never right to do wrong, and it's never right to do stupid. And I won't show you my story again. All right. He got lost and eventually headed the shore. He beached on their, their kayaks in Huntington Bay, and he was nearly 10 miles away from where he started. <laughs> you know, as we think about, about living life, We've got to make sure we're, we're on the right direction, headed in the right direction. And, and we've got to make sure that, that we don't make decisions out of fear or out of emotion or out of foolishness. God blesses wise decisions, not unwise decisions. But, you know, as we look at this account, and this is, this is kind of an obscure chapter in the book of Genesis. There's another principle I think we need all to, to reflect upon. And that's make sure you know that God works in our lives to show himself to us and to others. And see, that's, that's the mission of the church. It's not only that we might personally live closer to God and, and see him work in our lives and our lives don't become chaotic and a mess. But he, he uses everything that happens in our lives for a purpose. And that purpose is to reveal himself to us and then also reveal himself to others the others that come in contact with our lives. Now, at, at this point in the story, as Isaac starts to go down the wrong path, he, we know he's heading to Egypt. That's why God tells him not to go to Egypt. As he stays in the place where he's supposed to be, in, instead of trusting God that he'll provide and that his life is not in danger because God had told him he was going to be uh, a, a, the, the, the source by which all the, the peoples of this world would be blessed for the Messiah... He lives a life of fear and foolishness. Would you say that he's now right in the position to deserve God's blessing? Anybody want to say that? And yet that's exactly what God does. Look at Genesis chapter 26, beginning in verse 12. Then Isaac, which is right after what he had done in terms of lying about his wife, then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became not only prosperous, but very prosperous. 
this is kind of a good news part of the story. You know that as God reveals himself to us, sometimes the way he reveals himself to us is he gives us undeserved blessings. And it just, that just seems counterintuitive to me. Because you would think that God would only bless us when we did things that were right. But the Bible says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And those two things don't seem to match. Kindness, repentance, it ought to be rebuke and repentance. But often when, when we really experience the goodness of God, it, it, it just it causes us to run to him just to be overwhelmed with gratitude and gratefulness. That he is the providing God even when we don't deserve it. And, and, so, you're, and so you see Isaac just being blessed beyond anything he deserves. As God reveals himself to him. But when, when God works in our lives, the, the channel is not supposed to be stopped there. Because it, there's an interesting reaction to the people that day. Looking at verse 14. For he had possessions of flocks and great possessions of herds and a great number of servants. And so the Philistines envied him. Here was a man who came into their land with Basically nothing. He came to that land because there was a family. He didn't have any food for his, for his servants and for his extended family. And now he was with them and they were seeing everything he touched turn to gold. And as God blessed him, it not only revealed himself to Isaac. Now God was revealing the reality of God being in Isaac's life to all the people in Gerar. Uh, looking at back over, look at Genesis chapter 29. I mean, 28, 26, verses 28 and 29. Uh, and this is when Abimelech comes with his uh, general. He said, but he said, we have certainly seen that the Lord is with you. So we said, let there now be an oath between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm since we have not touched you and since we have done nothing in you but good and have sent you away in peace. And then this phrase in verse 29, you are... Now, the blessed of the Lord. Sometimes God reveals himself to us by blessing us. And through that blessing, revealing the reality of God to others through the blessing he's given us. And and I wish there was a kind of a period in the story here. that, That God reveals himself by abundantly blessing his people all the time. But that's not how God always does it. He reveals himself to us and to others, sometimes by giving us undeserved blessing. But sometimes also by undeserved trials. And if we were to generalize this morning, it, all of us are on either one side of that boat right now. We're experiencing the undeserved blessing of God or we're kind of more experiencing the undeserved trials of God. And, and let me just tell you that God wants to use both to reveal himself to you. And to others. Essentially, we're not going to read the account here, but as, as God blesses Isaac, one of the things you need to do if you have flocks, you need a lot of water. And, and so he, he goes to the wells that his father Abraham had dug because he had been in that part of the land earlier with another Abimelech. And uh, these were flourishing dams uh, or, or, or wells that brought all kinds of water. And when he got to those wells, they were all filled, filled up 
with dirt, and they had destroyed the wells. And so he went to every well that Abraham, had, his father, had, had built, and they were all destroyed. And, and so then he decided that he would, he would dig a well. He would dig a well, and all of a sudden the people of that, of that land would come, you can't have that water, that's our water. And, and Isaac at that point decides not to make that a battleground, and so he goes to another place. And he, he digs another well, and when he digs another well, they say, no, no, that's our water. He does all the work, and they get all the benefit. And finally, he goes so far on the outskirts, so far away from their ability to anyway say that's part of their territory. He builds a well, and God provides water. But you could ask yourself, well, if God was blessing him, why wouldn't he be allowed to have his father's wells or the wells he would dig? Because in the midst of blessings, there's also trials. And that's always been true of God's people. Uh, turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul had just been popped up to heaven. I, I guess there's not, uh, there's not a greater blessing than experience God in a fuller way and to see what we are going to anticipate in the future. And he says, as I came down from heaven, it was so great. It was beyond the ability to communicate. I have no words to express what I experienced. But then uh, God decided that there were some things he needed to do on or with Paul. And we'll pick it up in verse 7. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, this experience that he had, a thorn of flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure. This seems almost masochistic. He said, now, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses. For Christ's sake. Why? For when I am weak, then I am, what? Strong. Sometimes God is most glorified when the hand of blessing is upon our lives. Other times God is most glorified when the hand of trials is upon our lives. Now, the indicator of how God uses it is our response to it. When we are blessed, who do we give praise and glory to? If we give it to God, then God gets the credit and God's name is magnified. If we give ourselves the credit, well, I'm just a lot smarter than the average person. I'm, I have a lot more talent as by my work ethic or whatever it might be. Then we get the praise. When we go through trials, again, the, the key indicator there whether God gets the glory is whether we're able to go whatever we go through with a sense of his presence and, and a joy, not a silly smile, but knowing that, that life is much bigger than the good times and the bad times. That, that experience God's intimacy in our lives is much more than any, any difficulty that we're going through. See, what Paul wanted more than anything else is to see Christ magnified in him. To see that people say, how can a person go through what you're going through? And, and the answer is because God's there. Now, let's be honest. I, I'd much, I would much prefer God being manifest in me through blessing. 
but sometimes he manifests himself in my life through trials. And I dare say that's the same true for all of us. The difficulty and the heartbreak is for some, that period of time where it's blessing or trials, particularly the trial parts, gets extended. And that requires more and more faith. And that's where Paul became the point realized that God wasn't going to answer that prayer of, of taking that thorn in the flesh, whatever it was, and removing it. But in the midst of an ongoing trial, he could, he could, he could respond with joy because Christ's presence and power would be magnified. What do we, what do we need to tell people this, this year? We need to tell people that Man, you need, to, you need to be headed in the right direction. There's so many, so many paths people can go on. But Jesus is the path. Jesus said, I am the way. As we think about people making all kinds of choices, and our life is basically made up of choices, don't make choices based on fear. Don't make foolish decisions. Find out what God wants you to do and do it. And then make sure you understand that no matter what happens in life, it's, it's the opportunity for God to reveal himself to you and to others. And our response to that will show the reality of God within us. That very familiar verse in Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. doesn't mean everything is good, but he can use everything to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Well, Isaac gets to this experience, and now God is moving on in, in his bigger plan, which would take one of his children, and, and through one of his children, the line of the Messiah would come. And, and really what Genesis 27 is all about is how that begins to play out and how either we can cooperate with God's plan or we can, we can rebel against God's plan. But whether we cooperate or rebel, God's plan will come to pass. And the, the simple point I want to make of this, and I encourage you even during your life groups this week to, to read through Genesis 27 before you get to your group. But make sure you do God's will in God's way. Here we have a very dysfunctional family. You know, that, that phrase dysfunction did not happen just uh, in recent uh, cycle babble days. Uh, there are many times where God's people just didn't get it. And sometimes they knew what they ought to do, but they didn't do it God's way. And when that happens, there's a trail of lives that are damaged. The simple points I want to make this morning is that you hurt people doing it your way. You help people doing it God's way. This is an amazing story. And both Isaac and Rebekah mess up, as well as Jacob and Esau. God had decided right from the womb, if you remember back in Genesis chapter 25, that that the younger was going to be the leader of the, of the older son. And so from the very beginning, they knew that, that, jo- that God was going to bless Jacob over Esau. But Isaac wanted to spin that, that dial a little bit and maybe, maybe uh, persuade God in a different way and, and bless his, his older son. And, and just beginning, just looking at a couple verses in this particular chapter. In Genesis chapter 27, beginning verse 1, Now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see that he called Esau his older son and said, My son, and he answered him, Here I am. And he said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. And 
interesting enough, some, sometimes people are a lot younger than they think, not as old as they think. We, we've got that phrase in our life, you're only as old as you, as you feel or as you think. Isaac was feeling really old. He's about 135 years of age, 130 years of age here. You know how much longer he lived? Another 50 years. You know, um, I, one of the, there was one that I forget, I just popped my mind. There's one comedian, he said, you know, if I knew I was going to live as long as I did, I'd, I would I would have taken better uh, care of myself, you know. Some, some people think they're just about on death's door, okay? And you might have a lot more life than you think. And Isaac is thinking, hey, man, I might be breathing my last breath here. I, I got I to grab Esau and bless him. Well, what happens, Rebecca overhears that. And Rebecca, in a right way, is thinking that that's not God's plan. But even though it's not God's, since it's not God's plan, then I've got to fix it. Well, you don't need to fix things in the wrong way to get God's plan to happen. God's plan is going to carry out. But, he, but she doesn't believe at the moment, so she says, I'm going to take, take Jacob. And, uh, you know, he's kind of a little bit different than Esau. Esau's hairy. He's kind of the outdoor type. He, uh, he goes out and hunts for days, weeks, months at a time. And he kind of gets that aroma as well. And, and then he brings back the food and... And now Isaac wants to bless him after this meal he prepares for him. So what she does is she dresses up Joseph, who's a mild manner, smooth skin, indoor type, and says, okay, I'm going to put wool all over you. I'm going to make up the meal. I'll put a little bit of smell into you. And then I want to go up to your, your, your father, and I want you to tell him that you're Esau. And it's interesting, in verse 11, in fact, let's just read that verse. verse. In Genesis chapter 27, verse 11, uh, Jacob kind of likes the idea, but doesn't also kind of doesn't like the idea. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Look, Esau, my brother's a hairy man, for I'm a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him. What do you mean, seem to be a deceiver? You are a deceiver. I mean, he just didn't understand it. And yet he just, his only passion was, I don't want to get caught. Well, Rebecca, his mom, said, I, I, you know, I know your dad. I can fool that guy. He can't see very well anymore. He can't hear very well. You know, he's kind of losing it. You know, he's got 50 more. He didn't know he had 50 more years. I'm, I'm going to make this work. So she makes it work. Uh, the only thing problem, he, she couldn't somewhat disguise his voice. I don't know if he had a, a, a soprano voice and, you know, uh, Esau had a bass voice or whatever it was because he goes, man, you, you smell like Esau. You, you feel like Esau. You look like Esau, from what I can see, I can't see that very well, but you sure don't sound like him, you know. But somehow he convinces him, and and Isaac blesses Jacob as he wanted to bless Esau. Now, now what happened here? Just about everything relationally went wrong here. Toward the end of the book, it says that, that when Isaac found out about it, he trembled. And it was extremely angry. It, it says of Esau, a, a man who probably never cried, he, he wept bitterly because of the deception, the twice deception of his, his brother Jacob. And, and even Rebecca, who won, uh, you know, sort of, in terms of getting her fair uh, son into the position of prominence, though God would have worked it out no matter what, because of the threat of Esau, who said, I'm going to kill my brother as soon as my dad um, is not aware of what I'm doing. She has to send him away, which was part of God's plan anyway, to a place where he would get a wife from a godly line and not the ungodly line that Esau had married into. 
But that act caused his loving mother never to see her son again. She thought it was only be a few days. It was a lifetime. And Rebecca never saw her son from that day on. See, God will accomplish his plans. And we either we cooperate with it or we rebel against it. When we do it God's way, we help people. When we do it our way, we hurt people. So, so what's, what's the life message that we have to give to others? One, one is we've got to apply it to ourselves first, don't we? We've got to make sure we're headed in the right direction. We've got to make sure that as we make decisions, we don't do it out of fear or, or urgency or, or impulsiveness. We've got to make sure that, that as we go through the good times and the bad times, that we can recognize that, that God does everything to reveal himself to us and then also to give us a life message to reveal it to others. And then as we, as we see God's plan played out, we want to be people that, that do it his way, not our way. God's story in the midst of all this is that he was, he was building the line in which the Messiah would come. And, and then he was taking people just like us that, that learned to either trust him, and when we trust him, we obey him, or, or when the bad times come and, we, and the fear seems to well up, where we, we maybe intellectually agree uh, God is powerful, but we kind of go off our own path and head in the wrong direction. God wants to build in each of us a life message of the reality of God living in us and in the midst of us during good times and bad times to tell people that God is not nowhere, but that God is now here. Let's pray. Father, as we gather together as a people to worship you this morning, as we gather as a people just try to hear a word from you, that we're hearing words from you from the life experiences of those who knew you, not just about you, and still struggled to live it out. Father, help us to be a people that as we go through life and as we encounter life, that we encounter life knowing that you are here to reveal yourself to us and then use what you reveal to us to tell to others. Father, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you in a personal way, might this be the day they, they take that step and say, God, I, I've been fighting you, looking for some, something beyond what I can imagine, and yet you, you just touch down where people, regular people live and encounter them in a way where they know that they have the presence of God within them in the midst of a life filled with all kinds of challenges. We can make a step toward you by simply admitting our need, believing that Jesus is the one who who breaks that barrier between us and you, our sin, and forgives us because of his work on the cross, and then commit to follow him with all of our life. As we continue worship and as we worship through song and through our giving, might we just commit ourselves fully to you this day? And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to teach you guys a new song. Uh, it's kind of built around.